Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. One of the biggest deficits in the body of Christ today is understanding that the church did not start, the body of Christ did not start. Now listen, get this in your spirit real strong. When the United States was formed. It was going on for millenniums before we got here. And it's our turn. It's our generation. We're the one who's supposed to bring the truth, first of all, of the Word of God. Come on, somebody shout the Word. Word. That's where we get our doctrine and our understanding from. If it's not in the Word, it's not doctrine. It's very important because there is a lot of history recorded about Christian movements that have been recorded for time immortal. And most of the, many parts of that uh, history is well uh, documented and it's understood and it's uh, well known with times and people and places and all of those things. That's the history. Uh, sometimes people try to distort it and they try to change it. But you should always be wise about understanding it because there are things in the Word of God that we know a little about from the Bible But there is some history that is recorded that has been validated and verified. And so anytime that I preach and I talk to you about the scripture uh, and about here's our doctrine, sometimes knowing the history of it can help reinforce it and help you understand some of the process that our God has brought us through to get us to where we are today. Come on, shout hallelujah. Now, history is not gospel. I want to say that right up front so you understand that. But history can be a fact. It is just not the salvation truth. It can be real and it can be accurate, but you'll not get saved by history. History is something that reinforces the truth. This is divine. The Word of God, what you've got in your hand right now, the Bible, the Word of God is divine. It releases and carries in it a component called God's kind of faith. And when the Word of God, the gospel, the Word, Genesis to Revelation, is understood and it creates in you what is called a R-H-E-M-A, a rhema, a, a, a revelation of what that word is about. It brings with it something called faith. Come on, shout faith. Faith. It brings faith. There are two kinds of faith the Bible talks about, man's faith and God's faith. And we are told to have the God kind of faith, which comes from the rhema or the revealing or the revelation of the word of God. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you have to believe you get a rhema, a revelation. You believe in your heart, not in your mind. It goes beyond the mind. Because if I were to try to just intellectually talk to you about a man who was was, uh, tortured and uh, almost died from the torture and then finally died from uh, from Calvary and was gone for three days, verified, witnessed by kings and everybody else, sealed and all of those things. And then at the end of three days, he arose from the dead and he beat the hell out of the devil. He went into hell for you and me, the scripture says. Hallelujah. 
What does hell have that you want? That's why that's what I'm I like Jesse Duplantis's great message. Oh, my goodness. And then he arose. If I tried to just sit down intellectually and talk to you about that, you'd say, well, it's a great story, but it couldn't be true. Uh, The fact is, though, it is true. There is a spiritual realm that's more real than the natural realm. Uh, they, they said there's no way that, that a light could turn on because they didn't understand current and electricity. The ideal today that you can uh, punch your phone and it goes up into the galaxies and hits off of satellites and things and comes back quicker than you can blink your eye. That's not possible. Only there's a dimension there. There's a paradigm. You've got to understand that. There's more to you than flesh and blood. And our God created you that way. It's like creation has layers to it. And occasionally God lets us tap into another one and into another one. Now you're finding out that in just one little cell in your body, there are just millions of living parts of your being just in one little cell. The closer they're able, now they're figuring out what all those little beings inside of that have to do. The point I'm making is there's a lot more to you than what you just think. And God created something big. And he is the author of life. And he has the keys to death and to resurrection. Can I just say that? And Jesus is who went and did that for us. And I'm not trying to just... uh, just Talk about this for a moment. I want you to see it from the scripture because when you talk about history, history is not something you hang your hat on for the sake of salvation. You keep that in the word. I've been to colleges and been through the seminaries and gotten to the degrees and all those kind of things. And sometimes they do more to teach out the divinity than they do to actually validate it. And so you have to be careful that you do not do what the Apostle Paul says and let all this learning make you mad or crazy. The word mad means crazy right there. He said, much learning has made him crazy. Well, the day that you begin to deny the word of God because you think you have a fact that overrides the truth, your your fact has led you into heresy at that point. Because a fact can be heresy. For instance... Goliath told David, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds of the air. If you believe that doctrine, then you'd think that David got killed and all of those things because it's impossible for David to kill that giant. Except David killed the giant. So the fact is, Goliath said it. The truth is, it wasn't true. What David said was the gospel. Come on, shout hallelujah. That's what was true. And there are a lot of facts And God help us, I don't want to overstate my position here because I'm going to say it real quick when I get into it now. It's important to get this, that you cannot allow your life to just become a fax machine and deny the truth of the Word of God. Because the uh, true facts always will validate the truth of the Word of God. And the more that you see that, the greater it is. That being said, glory to God. Uh, We'll begin just for a few minutes this morning in the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1, pop it up on the screen there. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Luke, chapter 1. How many of you love the Word of God? Don't you just love the the story of, of Jesus? Verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent 
from God unto a city of Galilee. Gabriel, we know, is a messenger. The word angel means messenger. And Gabriel, we think Gabriel is an archangel. The Bible doesn't say he's an archangel. It only says that Michael is an archangel. I'm not trying to melt down old misconceptions and stuff. Let's just stick with the word on this. And so Michael is an archangel, and maybe Gabriel is an archangel. If you've been in Jehovah's Witness, you think Jesus is an archangel, and that he is co-equal with Lucifer and with Michael. But the problem is, that's not what the Bible says. The fact is, he is God in flesh. He is the king of kings, and he is the creator of the angels, the book of Hebrews says. And that at no time, uh, in, in black and white, it says, in no time did God ever say to an angel, thou art my begotten son. He never said it to an angel. That's because Jesus wasn't an angel. And you can be sure he is the Lord of the angels today. I am preaching better than you're amening already. And so, and the scripture says in verse 27, and, uh, and uh, appeared to a virgin, a spouse to a man uh, whose name was Joseph. Joseph is an interesting guy. Get Wednesday night's teaching. I wish I had that for you. Uh, but if you missed it, uh, please get there. Uh, the Bible says uh, to a man named Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Those are an interesting statements right there that God recorded for us. There are some things about Joseph. We know who Joseph's father was. The Bible says who Joseph's father was. We understand uh, that he was espoused, which is the same word as betrothed. It was a betrothal in that day. It was a contract marriage. When a, when a young girl uh, began to grow up, in that day, they would uh, become a spouse or they would, uh, someone would contract to marry that person and they would have an espousal or a betrothal. And not a betrayal, a betrothal. Matthew calls them betrothed. And so those are interesting words, uh, what, a, what an espousal or a, a, a betrothal was. And normally that would happen from the time a young girl was 12 to 14 years old. Then they would, the families would select who was going to marry who? How many of you are glad you live in the day we live in today? Give me a better amen than that. And so for one year, they would go through a one-year process. They would go through a time when the young girl especially would uh, be taught what it meant to be a wife. The Bible says, let the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. That's in your Bible in the book of Titus. Just thought I'd mention that to you. But be that as it may, and that's not just talking about sex. It talks about relationship because it's possible that she would be marrying someone who she didn't even know hardly. And so that's the way uh, the world was in that particular day. And so for one year, she would be taught about everything from what it means to be a wife, what it would mean to be a mother, uh, learning something about uh, all of the duties and responsibilities of being a woman and being a mother and being a wife. And in that period of time, they had to remain chaste in that period of time. They had to be pure. They could not be involved in sexual relationship if they knew that person, uh, especially, but whether they knew him or not. And uh, they had a way they proved that. Uh, that's a whole different story. And so anyway, uh, Mary and Joseph now are in that one-year process. And the scripture says it was during that time, during that one year, that the angel Gabriel appeared unto her. And she said unto him, 
when he begins to say, this is what's going to happen in your life. Go ahead and, and move that forward if you would, please. Verse 28, and the angel came in uh, unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with ye. Blessed art thou among women. Come on, somebody shout highly favored. The word highly favored is a powerful term. Now, there is nothing in the Bible directly, depending upon uh, who you study after, that says who Mary's mother and father were. Uh, we're, we're pretty sure history has said ever since the first century of the church that her father was a man named uh, Jochum. And so uh, in, in Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Catholicism, uh, some of the Armenian uh, faiths, especially in Europe and in the Middle East, they have those holidays and those, they celebrate certain uh, uh, spiritual days like that. Uh, that. And not only that, they, they claim that her mother's name was a woman named Anne. So I don't know for sure if, uh, or Anna, I, so I don't know if Anna was her mother for sure or not, nor do I know for sure if uh, Jochum was her father. But history has pretty well borne that out. She was not divinely conceived. She was miraculously blessed according to history. The scripture says that uh, Jochum and Anna could not have children, and they prayed, and later in life, God uh, allowed her to conceive, and Mary was born. And she conceived with her husband, and Mary was born. I think that's very interesting. They lived either in Nazareth or they lived in, uh, uh, in Bethlehem, right in that area there, right outside of Nazareth. There is a city that is there today still that was built. It's called Sephoris. Everybody say, I'll never forget. Amen. Sephoris. It's about four miles, four or five miles, three or four miles outside of, of Bethlehem. It was built uh, by uh, one of the main uh, emperors at that particular time. And uh, so, so just go, uh, if I've, I'm trying not to get over into Wednesday night because I'm fighting off all of that about Joseph right now. So let me just try to stick with my thought right here. And so that particular place was there. And that's where Jesus got the term that he was a carpenter's son. Because the Bible says uh, in Matthew, in one verse, that Jesus is doing signs and wonders. And in comes, uh, as Jesus comes into the city, uh, the Bible says the signs, the wonders, and his teaching were so powerful that the people said, where does he get all of this information? And where does that power, signs and wonders, come? Isn't this the carpenter's son, Joseph? Isn't that his son? The word carpenter right there, it's important to hear this. I think the church needs to get the right perspective. Uh, the body of Christ needs to. The word carpenter is the Greek word tekton, T-E-K-T-O-N. We get our word technical or technology from it. And the word tekton is a word that was given for an extremely skilled craftsman. It's not the normal word for just a carpenter or a common laborer or a worker. It means like the general contractor. It means someone who is an expert in woodworking, in mosaics, in uh, construction. He's the general contractor. That's the best way. He could be a designer. He could be a, uh, uh, an architect of some kind. Now, the only word we have uh, for him is the word tecton. That's it. That is not an average worker. If he lived in uh, Bethlehem or Nazareth, he would have gone a few miles from there and worked in the city of Sephora because of his level of skill. Uh, he was not just a common worker. 
He was actually, history says, a pretty well-known guy in what he did. He's obviously older than Mary. And he was a person that could uh, do some things. I think it's powerful that God chose Joseph and Mary as the human example of character, of quality, of lifestyle, of personality, and all of those things to train the Son of God uh, in his humanity, in his human role, from the time that he was a little child up until the time he stepped into his ministry. Can I have a hallelujah? Joseph, we know, was a man, when he found out that his uh, betrothed wife in that one-year contract period, that he knew he had not had sex with Mary. Mary knew she had not had sex with anyone. But in that period of time, she is now pregnant. She is going to have a baby. And instead of turning her over to the law for punishment and her family for shame, he wanted to just put her away privately and try to protect her the best that he could in that. We know Joseph was a man of character. He was a kind man. He was an expert in craftsmanship. He was a prosperous man in that sense, and he would have been well known in Sephorus. Sephorus was built by Herod, uh, the, by the, the emperor, by Herod, because he wanted a banking and kind of a cultural place in that colony outside of Rome where they had expanded to. And so they began to build this city. Called, they didn't want to do it in uh, Nazareth because that was a poor place, and it did not have the history. So he starts one of his own and builds it up that way. Are y'all doing okay with this? And he builds it up that way. And there the skill, and that place is there today. The, the artwork, the craftsmanship, all of it's there today. You can still go. It is an active city today in Sephoris. And it was a very wealthy place. And that's where Joseph would have worked. That's where he would have met Mary's family. Uh, Jochum, who history says is her husband, was a, uh, a scribe or a scroll uh, translator. He was a person who was an expert in the Bible. He worked in the synagogue. And, uh, when, uh, and he was known for that in all probability because the synagogues that are there are uh, very elaborate and they're very ancient. They're very old. Uh, in all probability, that's where he met Joseph or heard about Joseph and his craftsmanship. And probably they decided, man, we like this kind guy. He's smart. He's good at what he does. Looks like he would be a good uh, husband and a good father for our uh, only child at that time, for our daughter. So they just decided, uh, let's make a contract with Joseph. That's what it appears took place. And they did. And uh, Joseph, of course, entered into that because he was selected by God for that role also. By uh, shortly after that, Mary becomes pregnant because she says to the angel of the Lord, to Gabriel, when he appears to her, he says, this is going to happen. And she says, no way. Ain't going to happen. Forget it. I must be on drugs. Listen, talking to somebody. How do you know Mary didn't say that? She said, how could this be? Seeing I know not a man. She didn't. Back off, she didn't refuse, she didn't reject it. She asked a question like, how can this happen if I haven't had a sexual relationship? And the angel of the Lord said unto her, that's important to hear that. It's important because I used to wonder why did Mary agree? Why didn't she say, oh my goodness, I'm freaked out? Because she had been raised by someone who was a scroll writer 
a person who was an expert in the, the, the Bible of that day, what they had, and he was an examiner of that, she would have been raised to honor the Word of God, the house of God, the ways of God. She would have uh, understood that God has a plan for every person's life. That she was just not just a, a 12 to 14 year old girl bouncing around out here in life somewhere, but from early on, uh, her family, because of what they did in the synagogue, would, would have raised them with that reverence and that understanding that whatever you get to do out here in this world, remember your primary purpose is to find the will of God and to obey it. And the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And that thing that is conceived on the inside of you will be from God. And she said, come on, somebody shout faith. And she said, then be it unto me according to thy word. And the moment she received the word of God and said it with her mouth, God activated her womb and Jesus was conceived. The word was made flesh. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. The word for word there should be the word L-O-G-O, logo, logos. But it's not. It's that mysterious word that is the word that means revealed understanding, revealed purpose, divine purpose. It's the word R-H-E-M-A, rhema. She said, be it unto me according to this revelation that just came online. When you begin to talk to me and I heard the word of God, I understood something other than an angel or a man in a man, a human form standing there talking to me about something. I understood all of a sudden why for the last 14 years or so, I have been trained up to love God, to love the word of God, to serve God and to look for God's plan for my life. One day I'm going to get married and I'm going to have a purpose and a plan. And all of a sudden before she ever got married, Bam, she found out God's plan for her life. Look me in the face. I don't mind telling you, if men and women will find the plan of God for your life before you get married, it's amazing how much better your life will go after you get married. And whatever you do, please do not think pastor being mean today, but I just want to help you a little bit. Don't be hooking up with somebody who doesn't even care about the plan of God for their life, especially the plan of God for your life. If they're not willing to serve God and follow God, or at least have a hunger to know the plan of God and to begin to be on that journey and all they do in life, putting God's plan in their life first, I can tell you right straight up, if you're not married, don't go marry that person. You find the one that first loves God and wants to serve God. Now, can someone change after they get married? Sure. How many of you are glad God changed you? Give me two big amens on that one. But if you want to do it the best way, find that person before. Touch somebody and just say, we should have left after the songs or something. <laughs> and she said, be it unto me according to that revelation. Bam according to that rhema. And the Bible says that Jesus was birthed on the inside of her. Nine months later, oh, shikamosai. Nine months later, he came the Messiah. Come on, guys. Now, we don't know a lot about Mary's lineage. 
My time's up. I'll have to do this quickly. The only thing we have recorded about her lineage that we are sure of is she was the cousin of Elizabeth. And who Elizabeth and Zechariah had a, a, a son and his name was John. We call him John the Baptist. And we do know for a fact, of course, that lineage. So if Elizabeth's lineage is recorded all the way back to Aaron, and if Mary was a cousin of Elizabeth, then we can begin to trace some of her lineage based upon uh, the two lines, either the father or the mother. Are you listening to me? So we can understand that there's that heritage there. And it's historically believed and recorded, historically, that Joachim uh, was her father and Anna was her mother. Uh, Joachim was killed when she was a, a younger girl, uh, probably somewhere around 15 years old, by Herod in, in some kind of an overthrow. History, there's a lot of history recorded on it. Governmental history, Jewish history, things like that are, are recorded. Uh, and so it's interesting to see that. But in those uh, first few years of her life and after Jesus was born, uh, Joseph was there in those earlier days. Not when she was 15, excuse me, uh, when she was probably somewhere around 25, somewhere up in that area. The, the, the historical number is uh, skewed a little bit depending on which uh, uh, historian you're reading after. But that, that, I think that's a fascinating thing. That God used the character that's in Joseph and in Mary uh, to, uh, to develop the character, the human nature of the Son of God. Uh, they brought him, of course, uh, on the eighth day, they brought him to be circumcised and they brought him to be dedicated to God. You know, here at Abundant Life, we like to do baby dedications and we do that, but I, I really... The best way I know to say it is when you dedicate a baby, it's really mom and daddy dedicating that we are going to raise our child to know Jesus Christ and to serve the Lord and to try and find that plan for why God let me have that baby. That's what that's about. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That can lead to that child being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost if you'll set the pattern right in their life and that'll happen at an early age. But really, it's parent dedication more than it is baby dedication. Uh, because there's nothing in the scripture that talks about infant salvation because of a dedication ceremony that we do. It's just simply not in the Bible. But glory to God, when parents do their part right, the Bible says that just like uh, arrows in the hand of an archer, a mighty archer, so are the children of your youth. And when you point them the right direction and you aim them the right way, glory to God, I, I agree with you in Jesus' name. One day, your children will possess the gates of their enemies. The scripture says that your uh, enemies will not possess them. They will possess one day and be victorious in life. You ought to shout to the Lord if you got a hold of what I just said. Sergio, come help me. So it's important. And there's much I'd like to speak about this, but I want you to get it in your spirit that Mary was used by God. I know there are people, and I'm not here throwing stones at anyone, uh, that say that Mary was divine. But it's just simply not in the Bible anywhere. Nor do we have in history like that where it's recorded that she is divine. That was made up a long time later by religious ideology for a, uh, a design purpose and it's kind of more, she was blessed. Come on, somebody shout, I'm blessed. I'm, blessed. I'm, favored. I'm favored. 
was so was she. She was blessed. She was favored by God for a purpose and for a plan. The Bible says there's only one who ever lives to make intercession for us. And his name is Jesus. And he ever lives to make intercession. The scripture says in plain English that there is no access to the Father except through the man, Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives us access to the Father. We do not pray that the Apostle Paul will pray for us. The Apostle Paul is like, I did my job. I've got the Bible down there to you. I've set the pattern. You guys, every man has to answer for himself, the Bible says. But there is one who ever lives. My mother and daddy are in heaven. I don't know if they talk to God about me or not, but I can't talk to them. Let me just drill down for 60 seconds there. If you've been talking to your ancestors because you think they are doing something for you, let me encourage you, get out of what the Bible calls necromancy. Leave it alone. We do not talk to the dead. And there is nothing, not a nothing, anywhere close to Christianity that implies that you are supposed to talk to dead ancestors. I love them. I would do anything in the world if I could talk to them. I got some stuff I need to ask my daddy today, and I need to ask my mama. But I can tell you straight up, they said, they will say today, I did the best I can do. It's up to you to obey God just like we did in our generation. Now, if you need that answer, you go to the Father in the name of Jesus, the Bible says. And he opens the door. That does not in any way minimize who our loved ones are. That doesn't minimize it. Uh, Cindy's grandmother. Oh, I love Cindy's grandmother. Her name was Grandma Jolly. Cindy's maiden name was Jolly. So... At Christmas time, hallelujah. It's a jolly time around our house. But uh, be that as it may, it's, um, I, she was a great little businesswoman. She was a country girl, businesswoman, ran her own big old mercantile store. She, she kind of had the, the small version of Bucky's, plus the feed store, plus the slaughterhouse, plus all of that that went along with it, the meat processing and, and the store. She sold everything from, from wire rope to hemp rope to, to milk and bread. And the greatest thing I loved about her mercantile store was the big old ice cream counter. Oh, man, me and Cindy would go in there and just work over that ice cream. Do y'all know how big of a dent I can put in a gallon of Bluebell ice cream? Those cows aren't near as contented when I'm finished with them. But there's some things I'd just like to ask her just because she had a, that sense. If somebody was doing something not right or not wrong, uh, I could say something to grandma and say, grandma, what do you think about this? And she'd give me that country wisdom she had. And she was a, a wonderful woman. She loved God. Born again, loved the spirit of God and a successful little businesswoman. But I can't talk to her today. I wish I could. She doesn't live here anymore. I wish I could talk to my mom and dad, but I can't. They don't live here anymore. They live in heaven. Any apparition that says it's them 
You better be wise about deceiving spirits, the scripture says. No, but when you're full of the wisdom and the word of God, Jesus is alive. And you can talk to him. He's alive and alive forevermore. Are you ready for this? And the Holy Spirit, come on, shout Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with us always. Oh, glory to God. Mary did her part. And I thank God for Mary. Mary is blessed and highly favored. And I bless the Lord for that. Uh, She raised her son correctly. And then on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had resurrected, she was there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 says, and Mary was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. She was Pentecostal in the true sense of the word. She was there on the day of Pentecost. Uh, She wound up living ultimately in Ephesus. Uh, There John, Jesus had told John, take care of your mother. And John took her to Ephesus. Ephesus is in modern day Turkey today. And there she lived her life out. I don't care what you saw on the Discovery Channel about all the other stuff. That's what church history is recorded now. And there have been pilgrimages that have gone there for uh, over 1,700 years still today. If you visit Turkey, go to Ephesus and visit where Mary, who was the mother in the earth, the mother of Jesus. That's where she lived and died. And there's a little place there that, that replicates it still today. It's been there forever. Uh, It's interesting to hear that. She loved God. She loved her son, Jesus. She called him my Lord and my Savior. She called him that. She said, whatever he says unto you, do it. And then she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And there Luke, church history makes it well known, that Luke went to Ephesus and was there off and on quite a lot. Undoubtedly, he would have talked to her personally also and got her version of what happened when the Messiah came to earth. The Holy Spirit moved on him and he wrote it as the Spirit of God gave him the unction to write. But without a doubt, I can see some conversations going on like that right now. Don't have any problem seeing that whatsoever because history is true. The truth is what's recorded. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.